it's interesting that that you bring this up uh, because I was going to ask you uh, because I know that you you are a a, a virtual encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to conducting risk assessments and uh, uh, being basically being able to foretell the future is what you're doing. But here we are embroiled uh, in uh, Ukraine, not directly or at least not publicly with with troops. Uh, same with Israel. So we have those two very important issues going on. We've got Taiwan that is uh, hanging there in the balance. And I'm quite positive that there's at least one or two other locations that nobody even has on their radar right now. Right. Uh, wh what are your perceptions and your thoughts on uh, this time next year in in uh, the Ukraine and Israel. The Germans have already decided they're going to send in Rhine Metal, which is the, the company that makes the uh, the tanks. Uh, BA Systems have said they're going to start, they're going to build an arms factory there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what's going to happen is following. There is no way in hell that Ukraine can win, no matter how many bodies are thrown into the war. It's just not feasible. So that means that if the U.S. government and the rest of the stupid, crazy world that follows them continues on the path that it's going, there will be nothing left of Ukraine. There will be no Ukrainians left apart from the ones that have left and gone to Europe or to the States or wherever they've gone. Nothing would exist in Ukraine. Russia will win. There's no two ways about it. So what you're going to have is a dead, deserted, uh, no man's land between Russia and NATO. There'll be nothing there. Because it's a, a super noble. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty impactful well, what you're saying. That's, uh, that's, that's one way of seeing it, yeah. Because Russia, and they've said it from the very beginning, they've said it after the fall of the war when um, the Warsaw Pact basically disintegrated and who the hell was it? I think, yeah, it was when Reagan went to Berlin and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down or whatever he said. Tear down the wall. Yeah. And NATO promised Russia not one more inch eastwards. I've seen that on paper. And everybody's saying, well, they didn't, nothing was written down, etc., etc." I have paper here on my computer that says, that shows exactly what was said. It's an official communique. So, <laughs> let's get back to Ukraine. Well, Russia is no way going to allow NATO forces next to its border. Now, if they have to destroy all of Ukraine to achieve that, they will. Yeah. Putin is not going to back down. And if it gets to the point that NATO decides, fuck it, we're going to go into Ukraine and send troops and send planes, etc., etc., well, that's going to be Armageddon because there will be a third world war. Um, America is the only country in the world that has a first strike policy for nuclear weapons. I don't know if you knew that. But if they do... Explain that to our listeners. What do you mean by first, first strike? strike? means that America has given itself the freedom to, to, to press the red button before anybody else. It's not a defense mechanism. It's not in a matter of defense. Russia has said, and they will only do it if their country is under acute threat. Yeah. Now, what we've seen at the moment is not a cute threat. But America, in its wisdom, that's sarcasm, by the way, um, has, the, has the right to be able to say, okay, we're going to carry out a tactical nuclear strike on Russia to stop the war. Well, this is the kind of stupid politics that 
Would it possibly kill everybody in Europe? Certainly a lot of people in the States, a lot of people in Russia and the surrounding areas in Europe. Australia, New Zealand, no problem. Yeah. They'll get theirs in the end because all of the chemical waste and rubbish and, and ashes and everything will flow down their way. So talking about the end of the world, basically. Being bombed back to the Stone Age, that's got nothing like it. You know. That's the first, that's the first scenario. The second one is uh, that Zelensky has gotten rid of. Somebody gets rid of him. Be it his own people, which I can possibly see. Or or somebody else external yeah, on the orders of a, of a, a nation uh, on the orders of a government an external government the next person that comes in takes his place will then start these talks and that's the best case scenario yeah. so you think uh, it sounds to me like what you're saying Costa is we need to butt out of that we, we, the US needs to get out of that shouldn't have been, been there in the first place no... shouldn't have been there in the first place it's okay. not your war, it's not my war, it's not anybody's war about Russia and Ukraine. Fuck NATO, I'm sorry. Um, NATO is a toothless tiger, basically. It's like the UN. NATO is only good for the arms manufacturers in the UK, Germany, France, and obviously the States. That's the only reason they're there. It's got nothing to do about a North Atlantic Treaty Organization anymore. Since the fall, since the fall of uh, the USSR, uh, it's become, it's changed its manifesto. Uh, it's now not doing what it shouldn't be doing. It's getting involved in things that it shouldn't shouldn't be getting involved in. Yeah. What, what about agents? Yeah. What, what about John? The argument that people I hear all the time is people say, "Well, if we if we leave Russia, then we're just going to allow Putin to be the next Hitler and." Today's Ukraine, tomorrow's Ukraine. What, what is the, the truth there? Is there a valid argument there? I think from what I've done, the studies I've, I've conducted, uh, the light research I've done, that is stemming from what I believe to be a propaganda move. Mm -hmm. um, and they attribute or they try to liken uh, uh, Putin invasion. to Hitler. Well, I, I, I think they need to turn the mirror the other direction. Costas, mm -hmm. um, can you shed any light on that? Because I, I believe that that's one area where Russia has been vilified uh, in, the, in the Western press, and I'm not quite sure that's exactly how it is. Okay, let me start off this. Um, the Western press. Okay, they're not journalists anymore. They're PR. That's all they are. They're PR public relations guys for governments that basically command what they write. First. Second, Putin once said, those who miss the USSR have no heart. Those who want the return of the USSR have no brain. Russia has no interest in invading other countries, especially not NATO countries, because they know damn well it would give the NATO an opportunity to start an all-out war, which is somebody nobody wants. Putin is not stupid. He's a very, very intelligent guy, actually. In fact, I'd put, it, I'd put him against any of the Western leaders. He's one of the greatest statesmen that I've known him and Lavrov since, since he became, since he got into office. Yeah, I would put him among the top ones. So, this is all a big bluff and a lot of PR on the part of 
Western governments to blind their nation's populations into accepting the increases in food, the increases in fuel, the increases in electricity, the increases in this, that, and the fucking other. Oh, it's all against, it's all for the war against Russia. You've got to remember that. We're all going against Putin. You only have to open up the Daily Mail, which is a British newspaper, or the Express, and you'll find that shit on the first page every day of the week, on the front page. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry, Putin, in my opinion, now I've been called a turncoat, I've been called a traitor, I've been called many things in my opinions, but I stand by them. Man does not want to take over the world. He's not after his, his country's former glory. He's got enough problems at home. He doesn't want to take the problems of other countries. He certainly doesn't want Ukraine. It's a shithole. Yeah. What's he going to do with Ukraine? The only thing he wants and wanted to do is protect the Russian speakers that are called on him for help. He didn't jump in and very first shot was fired. He waited and tried diplomatic. Yeah. He tried diplomacy. They worked on the Minsk agreements. The Germans, Merkel, Sarkozy, was Sarkozy known? Hollow, the French guy. They got the Minsk Accords signed. Yeah. And if Zelensky had stuck, stuck to them, we wouldn't have any problems in Ukraine at the moment. The Russian speaking areas. You can get that perspective. The Russian speaking areas were supposed to have had autonomy to do basically whatever they wanted to do, but still be under the government of Kiev. Kiev didn't want mm -hmm. that. No, we want all of it. Well, you know what? How do you like them apples now? Because Putin doesn't want the problems. He's got enough problems at home. They have enough mineral resources. Their trade deficit has gone down. The sanctions against Russia aren't working. Europe's gotten poorer. The states have got poorer. Russia's economy is on the up. All of the companies that left Russia because of the sanctions, Russian companies took over. They're still operating, they're still sending the same shit they were sending before, just under a different name. Yeah. Um, no, Putin is not interested in occupying other countries. That's my opinion, and it's always been my opinion from the very beginning. So, to answer your question, John, well, I think I I propaganda. Indeed, I, well, and 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 I think specifically the piece that that, that I was aiming at is that in the West, uh, they claim that uh, he that Putin or some of his troops are actually Nazis. Mm -hmm. That they are that they are perpetrating the same crimes as the the Nazis, and that they wear the the propaganda that the Nazis wore, or the the swastika. They have tattoos, and uh, I'm under the impression that it it might be the other way, the other way around. Well, the Ukrainians, as we know, you know, they had the Azov Battalion. They were Nazis, neo Nazis, whatever right. you want to call them. Uh, we'll come to Bucha, yeah, the um, the. Um, atrocities in Bucha. We see Ukrainians blamed on the Russians, the Russians blamed on the Ukrainians. I've seen the evidence, and I've seen the evidence that the Russians put forward. It's very easy to find. Nobody wants to read it. Uh, no, it was the Russians. Of course, if you're in the West and it's your government's political uh, policy to say Russia bad, Ukraine good, well, obviously anything that Russia says now is bullshit. It's, it's Russian propaganda. Obviously, so obviously, I, John. 
I, I think our listeners, obviously, in any, in any war, in any war, there are crimes committed. I don't care which army. Crime. I mean, take the New Zealand SAS in Afghanistan, killing military military aged males, civilians, extrajudicial killings. Is that a war crime? Of course it is. The British AS, the British SBS. Um, so in any war, there are crimes. It doesn't mean to say the whole army or that the government of the day is behind it. When you're in a war, the tensions are running high. He just shot my friend. He just shot my brother. Fuck you, bang. We all know how it goes, John. Yeah. So, right. I mean, obviously, I think there have been atrocities committed on both sides. I think, though, that Ukraine is playing up and turning out propaganda. And, uh, what shall we say, putting on a stage for Western journalists when they called them in and showed them these atrocities. They made sure that the atrocities were in place before they called journalists in. Yeah, so. That's interesting. Well, and that's the sway, that's the sway the general public to support the the uh, the political activity that would continue to provide funds. In the, the uh, yeah, that, that happens a lot. I mean, doesn't that happen also with Israel right now? It is. It, and it's they're both trying to sway our our stance with the media. But right. Look at the atrocities that one is committing against the other. Right. Do you, and, do you feel the same way, Casa, uh, uh, about Israel and what's going on there? Is, is, there, is there a right and a wrong? No, there? there's definitely a right and a wrong. Uh, the wrong is that that Israel is bombing the shit out of Gaza and they've killed, I think, upwards of 20,000 civilians. That's what the wrong is. Now, the right is okay, Israel has the right of self defense. I won't deny that. And Hamas should not have gone and did what they did. But I don't think that what Israel is doing by trying to drive all the Gazans out of Gaza into Egypt. Um, there's a story going around. I don't know how true it is. I'm supposing this is a supposition at the moment that Israel wants to build a new canal from Israel, which would be from the Mediterranean into the Red Sea, to bypass basically the Swiss Canal. They can't do that if they, through the on the border of the Sinai Peninsula. They can't do that if Gaza is, yeah. is full of Palestinians. Yeah. Um, mm. Whether this is true or not, I've seen various reports. It does say that, but I haven't seen anything concrete at the moment. But what other reason? Why are they driving Gazans out and trying to force them into Egypt? Because they said, okay, go north. We won't bomb you there. The first thing they did when all the people got there together is they bombed that area right next to the fucking border. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm a little bit biased. Some people might say anti-Semitic. I think that what the Nazis did to the Jews in the Second World War is now being done to the Palestinians by the Israelis. It's, it's a genocide, basically. I'm sorry. It's all very well to hunt Hamas and get rid of them, I agree. But at the cost of what? At what cost? The cost of every person living in Gaza. And on the other side, every child that loses a relative is, gonna, is a future terrorist. Yeah. So I'm just thinking that Netanyahu is doing this for his 
right-wing supporters to say, I have an iron hand, I protect the Israelis, I protect you. Okay, great, he's protecting them. But his favor on the world stage now has gone so far down, and Israel's has gone so far down, I don't know that they'll ever get it back to where it was before. I mean, they work very well like before. What's it going to be like afterwards? You know? Well, and and I don't know how you are on time. Um, I just want to make sure you're okay. I think we've got a few. We're, we're, we're good on our end. Uh, but when we start to bring China into the picture, um, I think things are awful quiet right now, uh, with the exception there may be some chatter uh, about Taiwan here and there. But uh, my spidey sense is going off with regards to China while we're focusing our, our attention and our resources uh, to the east or to to the Middle East and, and to Ukraine. Why'd you have to go there? It was like we don't have enough problems. Or, I, I, it's our job. To, to, to yeah. lay it out there for, yeah. for our listeners and our viewers, uh, because I do believe that a majority of the people uh, are walking around with their head in the sand. We're distracted. There's so much information, so much. Well, we've on. got TikTok and we've got, and then there's misinformation. With well, that. We're told what country to support. Yes. Not, not uh, be objective or look yes. at both sides or. I, I suspect that, that in, in, in some circles, what we're discussing right now is going to people are not going to enjoy. They don't like to hear the truth. Yeah, we're the other side. I don't know what the answer to that is. Time will tell. Uh, it's nothing compared to what Costas is, is, is uh, had to go through and, and currently faces on a day to day basis. And while we're talking about world politics, I think we were talking about China, right? Right. Yeah, and right. I, I find I, I do like getting the perspective of an international arms dealer as opposed to my neighbor across the barbed wire fence who has been watching CNN or Fox. Or, yeah, he's been on his <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> right. It, 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 okay. It is interesting, though, to, to okay. hear that. Here we go. I, I really think that the Biden government is kicking the dust up with China, Taiwan, basically. Um, one, to sell the weapons to China, uh, to Taiwan, sorry, not to China, to Taiwan. Two, to keep the focus off the Ukraine and your borders. Four, to pump more money in that area and, and basically let the infrastructure of the U.S. go down the drain because you've got bigger problems at home. You don't need... I mean, China is, is it's not good, don't get me wrong. Their policy is to gradually take over everything. And that's always been Chinese for the Silk Road Initiative, the old one. And now we have them, they bought up the whole port uh, in, uh, in Piraeus in Greece. It's now owned by the Chinese Costco. Um, they paid for the, the harbor renovations, a new harbor in, uh, in Mombasa. Now, the Kenyans couldn't pay mm -hmm. back, so basically the port, the port belongs to the Chinese. There are many cases of that happening. Chinese will go into a country and, and offer financial and economical help. Uh, and when the country can't pay their fees, then they say, oh, don't worry, we'll take this and run it for you. We'll lease it for 99.9 .9 years. And whatever we make, you'll get a little bit of that. That's the way China works, unfortunately. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing the same thing, not only with... Uh, the seaports, but it's generally 
infrastructure, for example, I, I think well, Dar es I think Dar es Salaam yeah. is also one that they've approached, and plus they've also uh, uh, they build all their all their roads now, uh, and they just like they've tried to do here in Texas. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a that's very telling of where China, I believe, is, and it's not threatening. It's very innocuous. Innocuous, correct? Yeah. And it's like I mentioned Las Vegas. I mean, peak the same thing in Vegas. They, it's owned by most mm-hmm. most of the Chinese corporations. Well, this is this is something that's this is something that's going to get a lot. Uh, it's been getting it's going to become more and more proliferant. Um, they will buy. Mm-hmm. The thing is with Chinese, there are no private companies. Every company belongs to the Chinese government. Yeah, that's a good um, point. It's a good point. Which means that, for example, uh, I read an article about <laughs> them buying up. 42,000 hectares right next to a military base. Uh, somebody bought it to that mm-hmm. Chinese company. Uh, you guys start selling your agricultural land to the Chinese next to a military base as you're asking for trouble. Yeah, so I mean, this, this really needs looking at. I mean, know thy enemy is all I can say. Mm-hmm. As far as Taiwan is concerned, um, I think Biden is using this as a, as a smoke screen. To take care of pressure off him and his government for the fuck up they've made in Ukraine, and basically to to try and keep the people's attention somewhere else. Yeah, as far as the Chinese concerned, I'd like to ask you since you're talking politics, I'm, I've got to ask this. You mentioned our current president. Um, what is your take on on? Uh, the next president, who, who you think would be a better president for the well, U.S. Uh, from the, this uh, way. the other uh, end, like Trump? Let me put it this way. Anyone's better than the one you've got at the moment. The guy's a decrepit, senile old fool. I'm sorry to talk, to your, talk about your president like that, but he is. Uh, it's not him who's running your country. It's the guys behind him. Somebody's putting the strings. But I won't go down that road because it's your country, it's your politics. It's it's for you guys to vote him out and get a president in that you you would prefer to have. In my opinion, as far as being a European is concerned, Trump is not very favorative to the Europeans, especially the Greeks. Uh, at the moment, we have, as far as the Greeks are concerned, they have a very good government in the U.S. Mendez, who was uh, against the F-35s and the F-16s going to Turkey. I'm talking regional now as opposed to global. Um, for, for Europe, for the Greek government especially, the government that they have at the moment is possibly the best one for them. But that's not the point. The point is, it's you guys. It's your economy. It's your lives on the line. And the political situation in the U.S. at the moment is not particularly good as far as the borders borders are concerned, and the amount of immigrants that you have coming in. So I think that you need a strong president to be voted in. I like Trump. Some say he's a little bit of a crazy. So what? Yeah, the guy's a businessman. He will get a deal done with anybody. Yeah, he'll make sure it's on your side is better than the other side. But uh, I think that if Trump was in, there wouldn't have been a war in Ukraine. It would have been stopped in the very beginning. Um, I don't really think that there are any possible, any other possibilities for a president. I mean, there's no one close to Sanchez. Forget it. 
These are my opinion now. Yeah. My my personal opinion. The one I like is uh, I don't even know if she's running. What's her name? Green. Marjorie Green. No, Marjorie Taylor Green. Oh yeah, no, she's not running. Uh, Nikki Haley is a useless twat who is a tool of of the um, of the establishment. Tell us how you really feel. She she was useless (laughs) at the UN. She's useless in whatever position she's in. I doubt seriously whether she's any good horizontally in a horizontal position either. Yeah, but that once again is my opinion. And as we're on an American podcast, I have the right to free speech. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> listen to that. I, I, very good, very good. And you seem to be well informed about what's going on out here in our politics. Well, I have to. I deal. I'm an international arms dealer. I have to deal with you guys, not you personally, but you know the the, the, the government of sure. the U.S. and your country. your country and the way that things are moving. Like who's moving what where. I have to try and look into the future, three, four, five years ahead, to find out where the deals are to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Kostas is a is a, in my view, he is the sum of all of his parts, and and by that I mean the vast experience he has, and all the different things that you've done in your life that led you to this point where you are now. Uh, the latter portion of your life being uh, as an international arms dealer. And as I mentioned earlier, um, you've been everything from a, from a medic to a social worker. Um, in fact, uh, uh, there, there's a story uh, in our book or in your book that uh, uh, your biography that I wanted to, to, to mention and get your feedback on, because I think it really helped shape uh, or had a large part to play in who you are uh, today, and I'm pulling it up right now. What is the name of the book? For for our listeners, and we're going to list uh, the book in, in the notes section of this podcast. Uh, we'll provide the link to it. Um, but it's called A Criminal, Criminological Biography of an Arms Dealer. Uh, it's written by a, a gentleman by the name of Yaron Eski. And... Uh, He's done a fantastic job. Uh, I have read the book. I will tell you that um, it it's a difficult read through the first two chapters because it is an academic book. Uh, the first two chapters really go into the methodology, how the author uh, arrived at his conclusions, how what his thought process was behind um, uh, why he was writing it the way he did. The, the challenges that he personally had mm-hmm. with some of the material, which we haven't even begun to scratch Correct. the surface on. We're getting a 35,000 foot view right now from Costa. And I'm quite positive that there's going to need to be a follow on show sure. because there's so much that we haven't talked about. Yes. But Costa, I think when, when, and, and since you've already mentioned it uh, earlier in the show, um, you were in Ireland in uh, the the 60s and, and 70s and early 80s, correct? And I believe there was a turning event in your life when, when you went to go get in an automobile and found out that for some reason someone was hoping that you were not going home that day. Yeah. Um, I, was luckily, I was luckily in the back. Uh, not in the front. The driver lost, uh, he lost his two legs. The other guy in the front lost his arms. The one guy in the back was killed. Crawled out of the 
I was lucky actually, I only got some facial problems and I crawled out of the, the car after it exploded and turned over. I crawled out and someone took a pot shot at me and ricocheted off the door and I still got a piece of the bullet in my leg. Um, yeah. Now for our younger our younger uh, listeners and viewers, they, they're, they're not going to be able to draw that connection uh, like Robert and some of our older viewers can. But can you kind of explain, give a little bit of a background about why all of a sudden you were in a car uh, in an area in Ireland? Because most of our, you know, Americans today are like, oh, Ireland, it's green and it's pretty. Right. And they don't realize what Ireland has had to go through in the past, you know, uh, 100 years to get where they're 800, at. 800 years. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, it was the troubles. It was the war. It was the Catholics against the Protestants. It was a British government against freedom. It was a myriad of things. There were terrorist acts committed on the streets daily in Belfast. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things. In the fox of war, everybody somehow gets injured, whether that's physically or psychologically. Yeah. I don't really want to go back that far. That's um, it's it's well we didn't we, we you and I have never had to experience anything like that in our lifetime. I mean, think about how fortunate we are in so many respects to be where we are. But then we have conversations like we do today and we kinda of go, wait a minute. Right. How do how do the two mix? We don't have to worry about checking underneath our car for a bomb when we not yet. Well I still yeah. I, we, I not have yet. to do that daily here is check under my car. Somebody wants to cut through my brake mm. lines. I've had threatening phone calls as an arm dealer, threatening phone calls saying, yeah, you're not going to sell to these fuckers. If you sell to them, it'll be the last deal you make, uh, which was how I managed to get the license to carry. It's very easy, very nice for you guys in Texas where you are. I think you have open carry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yes. we don't have anything like that in Europe. I was lucky enough to get a, a carry permit um, for myself and for my family. Coming back to Ireland, okay, it was it was the, the time of, they called it the Troubles. Uh, it wasn't Troubles, it was a fucking war. It was the hope and, the hope and prayers of uh, a suppressed, repressed population, Catholics, who never had a chance in the, in the Protestant world to get a good job, a better house, you know, second-class citizens, basically. And after a while, they said, that's it, you know, okay, 1916, we took Southern Ireland back. It's now independent, but it's not, because the British government still has a say in it. Will it be uh, a free island? Um, especially now with the, the Brexit, where the UK has come out of the European Union. Um, I think that... Mm -hmm. Would possibly see some movement in that area because of the stipulations that the European Union has thrown down to the Brits. I would personally like to see a free Ireland. I'd like to see Ireland as a whole. Um, but the Brits won't allow it. They say, no, we have people in, British people in Ireland have the right to vote as they did in the Falklands. We want to remain part of England. And that was where the trouble started. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bad time. Very bad so time. going back to, to what I said earlier, you are the, the sum of all your parts. Uh, I, I know you as 
the type of person who does exactly what they say they're going to do. No more, no less, usually. Uh, definitely no less than what you say. Um, man of integrity and uh, honesty, sometimes brutally honest, which is refreshing in, in many cases. And, and I say all that because what, what we don't really have time to talk about today and that I would like to cover uh, uh, sometime in the future, um, I suspect if you're okay with it, we'll, we'll do another one of these little get-togethers and, and change the topics and, and dive a little bit deeper uh, into your background as far as not where you're from and where you've been necessarily, but uh, your childhood and, and your family. And I bring that up. And then making the assumption that you're okay talking about it in, in, in a limited capacity because you were able to to share some of that uh, in the book. Um, but being the sum of all your parts, your childhood uh, and your formative years, definitely uh, here in the States, you would have um, people saying, he, automatically labeling you as somebody who is prone to become a criminal because of the, the childhood that you had growing up. And, and and again, being blown up uh, in a in a a, a war, yeah. it, it it precludes most people would try to make a logical leap mm -hmm. to he's got all the makings of somebody that should be a bad guy. Right, he's been mistreated, had a, a, an abnormal childhood, home life was not the best. People trying to uh, kill him. People trying to kill him, and oh by the way, you happen to know. Uh, better than most criminals, how to run that business. But yet here you are today sitting in front of us, a five-time cancer survivor, okay? And you still, let me back up. All of that would add up to you have motive to be the bad guy, make a whole lot of money and get on down the road. But yet you have still chosen to maintain the moral well, you've maintained the high ground with respect to your personal morals and values. I don't think our listeners and, and viewers are going to be able to comprehend how you're able to do that like you do and still be alive, quite frankly. It's been a difficult journey, John. It's been a difficult journey. Um, but what should I say very sarcastically? I'm still trying to gain points with him up there so that I don't have to go down there. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's a very fair statement. That's a very no, fair I, statement. I, I, could have been, I could have been a really bad person. I was a really bad person at a time. I was a really, really bad person at a time. I could have been a lot worse and I could have stayed there. And as you say, I could probably made a, a very, very good criminal enterprise. But the... Um, the rewards are not worth uh, the trouble, to be quite honest. And for me personally, after seeing so much suffering and tears of children who have just witnessed either their father or mother or brother or whatever blown up and realizing, you know, this is shit. This is really shit. Let's do something right. Let's make sure it's right. Make sure it's legal. Okay, it might not be morally legal, but it's my morals. I have to live with what I do. I have to answer to the great architect. Let's put it that way. And if I make a mistake, it's my mistake. I don't want to hurt anybody else. 
to unto others what you would have them do to you. Yeah. And that's my outlook on life. I've, I try to live by it every day. I don't necessarily always succeed, but it's who I am and who I will continue to be until the day I die. I'm still on chemo every day, chemo tablets, so I've still got this fucking cancer. But so what? You know, I could walk across the road tomorrow and get run over and be dead. It's just part of life, you know, everybody dies someday. Some people die earlier, some people die later, some people die from cancer, some people die from getting shot. Everybody dies. It's just a question of making the most out of what you got and live every minute as if it's at your last. That's basically how I see life. It sounds like you've lived a very interesting life and, and uh, while you've had the challenges, Conseil, you've also had a lot of blessing, it sounds well, like. I've, and, always, uh, appreciate your I've always had a lot of good people by me and at the moment. Um, my wife, uh, she stood by me through thick and thin. Mm. You know her, John. Um, yes, sir. Don't call me sir, Aurencio. I work for a living. <laughs> he does it I work for a living. Don't call me sir. It's ingrained in him. I don't. I don't think. It's... I don't think the queen or rather the king there will ever knight me. So there's no really no need to call me sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, as far as life is concerned, okay. I mean, there are a couple of things I would have changed, but as you say, John, it's what I've been through that path, the journey from then until now has made me what I am. Uh, if I decided that I would be able to change a couple of things, I wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah, I wouldn't have this outlook that right. I have. And um, mm -hmm. as far as the arm steals are concerned, okay, you want to go more into my childhood. Well, all right. I mean, we, we can do that if you want at a, at a later date. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can touch on. Yeah, sure. I, I think our, I think our listeners and our viewers, um, I'm, I'm predicting that, that, that we're going to have a, a run uh, on on people wanting to know more uh, about, about you yes. about it, because I mean you, you you've been there and you've done that and the fact that you're willing to share uh, at this stage of the game with everything that's going on in the world uh, I think people are going to be really interested in this. Well, John, and and I think uh, having said that. Uh, if people wanted to learn more about Costa, isn't it, uh, is it fair to promote his book? Oh, that's the whole idea. I, the, the I, criminological biography of an arms dealer. Correct. If you want to learn more about this, this man here who's visiting with us today, that'd be a, a start. It would be a show. great start. In fact, um, I'll assign it to all of you of home, as homework. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you're able to get it, uh, the electronic version or the hard copy version. Uh, I believe you can also rent it on Amazon for about a month at a time. Uh, the last time I looked at, I think it was 15 or $18 to rent. Uh, you could buy an electronic version for, for 35 to $38, I believe. And the hardbound copy is roughly $55. I'm, I'm catching a flight today and I'm going to download it myself. So, so I'll read it. Well, I'll put that link, uh, in, in the show, uh, in the show notes, uh, folks, please go out. And, and make that small investment. Costa is too, probably too proud to say this, but uh, this money uh, that he earns from, from this book uh, does not go in his pocket. I don't earn any money from this book, John. I don't, do not get any royalties. 
The author gets there the we author, go. No, hold on. Let me get this straight. The author gets the royalties. I don't. I'm legally not. He's re, legally not required to give me any money whatsoever. But he, we did have an agreement that any royalties that were made, um, he would split with me in half. And I said, no, I don't want the money. You can send it to my daughter in the UK. Yeah. So. Beautiful. And the author is Yarin Eski. Am I pronouncing it right? Eski. Yeah, he's a professor in the university. What a show. I, I'm I'm very rarely am at I am I at a loss for words. Uh, I, I'm I'm very excited and uh, I'm feeling very blessed right now because this is this is actually a very big deal. Yes, to to be able to to, to have this uh, discussion so openly and and frankly, especially with somebody like Costa, I'm just a little concerned. We're not going to know how to how to handle the request for more information. So uh, folks, share this wide with your contacts. Make sure uh, to, 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 to tag us on your social media. Um, I don't really want to come across sounding like all these other people by saying hit the like button, ring the bell, but you have to. You have to. And, and this is uh, someone, uh, someone that you'd like more people to know about, uh, a life that is uh, very interesting uh, and a perspective, a global perspective that is something you should uh, share and uh, definitely get to know more about. Yeah. Now, everyone is, knows an international arms dealer. Well, there, and and having said that, there's a chance that uh, this will not appear on YouTube. Uh, I do believe that this show will need to be on Rumble almost exclusively, though we can include uh, bits and pieces on YouTube. But because of the the the, the topic and the nature of the the conversation um, and why a large portion of the Western uh, uh, world does not know really what's going on or have the opportunity to get an international uh, take on what's going on in the world. The news is different over there than it is here. Of course. Right. So it'll be on Rumble for sure in, in the full version, as will uh, any of the other subsequent shows that we do. So, but still, please make sure that you, you, you do what you can to support our show because we have spent a lot of time and a lot of money of our personal money right to put this together and to get to bring to people perspectives not just our perspective right. or or uh, we're not uh, we're not sponsored or funded by oh. a, a media group uh, it's raw and unedited here we're here to bring you uh, information from not just uh, our local county from all over the world There's, and you decide what you want to believe what you want to research further so, folks, we, we thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, I do anticipate uh, being able to do another episode sometime here in the near future. Uh, we will keep you up to date on that. But until then, we wish you the, the best of a, a happy holidays, a happy new year. Uh, it may be after the new year by the time we get this put out. But uh, uh, just know that we're thanking everybody, and we hope that everybody was safe uh, over the New Year's uh, holiday. We are the Texas Examiner, and I'm Robert Sines. I'm John Tipton.